everyone, and welcome back to BFF, Black Fat Fashion. I'm your host, Ayana Ishmael, and on BFF, we'll be discussing personal and career journeys at a crossroad between being Black, fat, into fashion, or if you're like me, some resemblance of all three. Today, I'm joined by Tatiana Glover, who is the founder of Mahogany. Hey, you guys, as I said, I'm here with Tatiana. So first and foremost, I want you just to introduce yourself to everyone. Hi, guys. My name is Tatiana Glover. Um, I am the founder of Mahogany. We are a fashion, e-commerce, and media concept brand. Um, And I currently um, sit as creative director for that. um, And we are currently going through the process of rebranding. So for my 9 to 5, I'm a content creator. um, And I work with brands for branded content on social media. Awesome. And so where are you originally from? And kind of just tell us a little bit about your backstory growing up. Yeah, um, so I'm originally from the suburbs upstate New York. Um, That was where I was born um, and raised for a little while. And then we moved to New York City and I kind of bounced around a lot um, there. And now I currently reside uptown in the Bronx. Um, So yeah, that's where I currently live. Um, And I went to school in terms of my background. Um, I went to high school of fashion industries in Chelsea downtown. Um, So that's where I kind of started my fashion, um, you know, degree, I guess, in a way. Um, I I really had the opportunity to get the access to that skill set from a very young age. So I'm really um, blessed in that way. And then from there, I had joined uh, Parsons Scholars Program, which is a pre-college um, program um, at Parsons School of Design um, in Lower Manhattan and in, in New York City and so that was kind of where I got my foot in the door with entering like the art and design space as a young person um, and I quickly you know and with that I quickly engaged in a lot more social you know justice work um, so kind of like trying to mesh both my love for the fashion industry well my love-hate relationship for the fashion industry fashion <laughs> industry, and then kind of um, trying to find my path, you know, through all of that. I was really interested in a lot of different things. I thought in my previous background that I would um, be a culinary chef, but that kind of made a shift in itself. But I still have that um, passion in in my heart around fashion and food and them being sister industries. And also just trying, again, fill in the gaps of, like, social activism within both industries within fashion and food. And so um, it's been really interesting to just see my journey um, now, just thinking about the different ways that I can be socially engaged, whether that's within um, design, art, and media, et cetera. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of like a jack of all trades. I I, I like to dip my toe in a lot of things. Um, I think that's something I've had from a very young age. You know, if you told me I couldn't do it, I'd make sure I go 10 times hard and, you know, prove people wrong. But I think as I've gotten older, I really, I realize how important it is to do things to fulfill yourself um, and not just to the naysayers. So so I know you mentioned um, right before you have like a love hate relationship with the industry. Is Mm -hmm. there like a specific reason why you think it's more so like overall in general? Well, I think from, like so many of us from an early age, uh, I was not your typical size, you know, four, six girl. I, you know, come come from a family of very, you know, large and curvy women. And, you know, I, I always knew that 
I never saw myself at that being an issue, but I realized, you know, as I engage more in like, you know, doing activities, I grew up with a bunch of sisters. And so, you know, shopping was one of those things that we often did together. And I, I just can remember my mom taking me and my twin sister, like back to school shopping and that becoming more and more of a daunting activity, just because I couldn't shop at the stores that I really wanted to, you know, that my sister could. And, you know, that became kind of like this really traumatizing experience in a sense because something that was so fruitful and enjoyable for me you know became something that I I just didn't I resented and I didn't really want to do and so at that point I was digging into my mom's closet a lot more often and realizing like you know I loved her like having her you know hand-me-downs and you know trying to get creative I was someone who was big on like New York Fashion Week and when um, that was a, a thing we had fashion night out here in New York City a really long time ago um, they no longer do it but I remember always being super excited to see my sister go out to those events you know I was still too young to go but I just remember like being real having a really good time like looking on you know the blogs and publications and just studying what people wore and kind of recreating those looks and my mom was the one who really introduced me to like thrift shopping um and so that was where I kind of found my happy ground it was like it was affordable 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 for me as a young person I didn't have to splurge um going to retail shopping and I kind of just started using Pinterest and and watching YouTube videos and curating outfits and I just would like recreate outfits from the things I would find at the surf store and so and you know between my mom's closet it was just such a fun experience it almost made me find the sense of self like I could you know see what worked and play around with different styling and that was super fun for me um it was almost like the self-care kind of thing and you know that's where I kind of found my love for it um the, the hate part comes from just the ugly parts that we you know thinking about internships and, you know, being a young person and entering those spaces and realizing how little access you have to that. Um, I was someone who early on real, knew my worth and it was hard to like have this balance of like, what's, when is unpaid okay and when is it not? Um, I don't think I necessarily ever did unpaid work. I would do more volunteer work per se, whether that was like, you know, attending New York Fashion Week and being like a what do you call it? They call them seat warmers. Yeah. So I would do a lot of uh, volunteer work and, you know, work with brands and I would uh, be on sets for them and, and help them in that way. But I never looked at it as an intern because those were usually like a day or a weekend thing, not so much like three months, et cetera. So I definitely think there's a fine line and there's a balance on how you can be engaged. But I realized really early on that, like, there was just not a lot of opportunities for that. So okay. there's more work to be done. Most definitely. I can agree with the whole shopping in my mom's closet. When I was younger, I hated going to the mall with my friends because I wasn't the same size as them. So I was always just like, yeah, let me get these earrings. Let me get <laughs> today. Still today, I'm like, my statement is a good sleeve and a good pair of earrings and I feel good. And my hair also, you know, shifted into that as part of my identity. Um, and that's a whole nother conversation, but I totally agree. <laughs> Yeah. So when did you kind of start building your style? Because I know for me personally, it was having to figure out how to make something that was maybe older or my mom's look yeah. like it was my style. So how did you kind of go about building your style? Yeah, it's funny because um, I it kind of started around high school. So I was transitioning from obviously middle school to high school. And my first year of high, sc um, high school, I had a really hard time 
time of bullying and things like that, you know, a lot of like identity politics around like how I talked and, you know, how I looked yeah. from my class and classmates and my peers. And so it came, it became a really exhausting experience to the point where my mom and, and I, we sat down and had a conversation and I realized that I didn't want to be at that school anymore. So I had applied to high school fashion industries. And so I had to like shift together some really shitty pro- portfolio <laughs> and do my interview. And, and that was kind of when I entered high school of fashion industry, my 10th grade, um, 10th year of high school. And so um, I think at around that time, that was really when I was coming into myself and trying to discover who I was like, you know, you're at this fashion high school. So, you know, fashion is very important. Even though they had like three other majors, it was still something that I was entering as a fashion design student. And so I had no previous background. I did not expect to like want to be a fashion designer. I just knew I wanted to get out of my, uh, my previous situation. And I knew that I had a love for fashion, but not necessarily design construction. And so that was kind of when I was just con- trying to fake it till I make it kind of thing. And I think dress was one of those things where I could play and, 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 you know, find my character and, and like think about who I was. And high school does that to you. You know, you, you, you find groups, you fall out of groups, you, you, you kind of try to create this, um, sense of self and I, I used that through my like blanket was through fashion so that was like my security um and how I found you know comfort and just existing and so that was really I think the, the pivotal moment for me when I was like okay I really like this yeah and how was your experience in high school um and what made it like the foundational parts for you kind of going into college well, um, I previously mentioned that, like, I had joined, so 10th grade was uh, when I was sitting in my fashion design teacher's class, and I remember staying after and crying at the sewing machine, because I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing, I don't know how to sew anything, and, you know, like, my mom taught me little things like hand sewing, but, like, nothing to this degree, like, I was learning, you know, sewing, construction, draping, you know, the whole thing, pattern making, and it was exhausting, um, to say the least, but I knew that I wanted to be there. I just didn't know how I would exist in that world yet. And so I remember joining this club and my teacher, she introduced me to this program called Parson Scholars Program. And um, that was when I, you know, I applied. It was like last minute, very like, I had to like go do do the interview that same day. And I got myself together. I went and, you know, long story short, I ended up staying to that program till I graduated high school and then started my, um, college career at Parsons as well and so um yeah that was kind of my journey there and oh, I'm sorry I'm trying to remember what was the question basically just like what led up to you getting to Parsons and- yeah so exactly um so that was kind of like um how I, tr- I so let, let me be clear like, like because I was in this pre-college program that didn't guarantee that I got admission to Parsons the college um that's a big misconception that if you be a part of the pre-college program that you'll get into the college itself. It's still two very separate applications. Um, But that program really taught me, it it was the best opportunity for me. It was specifically for low-income students, for high school students in the area. And um, I was very, very grateful because it, it pretty much introduced me to so many different avenues of design and media that I could take. And that was really where I used that time that two and a half years to explore Mm -hmm. and see what I really wanted which which is what made me realize I was not someone who wanted to be a fashion designer I really wanted to work in fashion communications and Mm -hmm. that was where I you know found my foot in the door and so here I am today I studied uh, at and got my degree in communication design and um, integrated 
design. So that's kind of how I finessed my degree. <laughs> um, at first. And so when did you kind of start thinking about building mahogany? Was it during college, after? So um, I always tell this story, like I, I would like to say technically it started in college, but I really feel like I had the dream since I was in high school. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know what it was called yet. I didn't know what it would actually entail. Um, but like I said, I was doing already that kind of curation work, that personal shopping kind of um, experience, creating that experience for myself. And I realized I did have a niche for it and I had an eye for like, making sure I was very specific about staying on trend still and, and kind of storytelling in a way. Um, like I said, my mom and my sisters and even my grandma were huge inspirations to me um, in terms of dress. Like my mom was a huge, ar she doesn't even know it, but she was an arch archivist. Like she took so many photos. She documented my entire life. And it was really beautiful to see like my, my family through photos, see myself through photos, almost kind of giving me this, um, sense of like self you know when you see a photo and there's a memory attached to it and and there's a story behind it and, and people get to like relive that I got to relive that and hear it through others but also kind of create this narrative for myself about who I thought I was then you know and so that's been really fun um but yeah I mean I think mahogany really was born out of this a lot of different things like a lot of again that love-hate battle with myself Mm -hmm. um, trying to discover myself and also find a balance between being who I truly was and almost creating this curated version of myself. Um, and that, you know, we often have a version we present to the world and then the version that who we are behind closed doors. And so I think now I've been going through that, ba that, that balance period of like, what is too much and, and find regrounding myself and like, what is my purpose? Right. So I think I often use fashion as an avenue for that. And, um, right now we're, like I said, we're going through the rebranding process because as I go through this self-discovery, I feel like the brand shifts with me. And so I've had a really pull and tug around like how much of myself do I want to give to this brand and how much do I want it to live as it, as its own entity. And so it's definitely something that I've been, you know, rediscovering about myself and, and what we want to do with mahogany. Yeah. And so how did you kind of go about the process of, I don't know, separating yourself from mahogany in a sense? Because I feel like when you have a project that you created from the ground up, it becomes so much of who you are. So how do you kind of like yeah. find balance and time for yourself to separate the two? That was hard. Um, I don't think a lot of founders talk about that, but I'm someone like Mahogany has been out for like, since 2018. We're still kind of, you know, getting our feet wet and still figuring out what, what this entails to be a business and to, you know, to be of service to others. Um, honestly, I've found myself people being more interested in my brand story and, and the founder story. And, and that's been interesting. Um, I always like to, you know, push the mahogany narrative, but people are like, we want to know about you. And so I, I've been, and it's been funny, you know, I, you know, imposter syndrome kicks in really hard sometimes and it's not easy to separate the two because, you know, you want these things, like you are part of that story, but almost like how do I make that an extension of me and not just about me? Mm -hmm. um, because the brand isn't about me. The brand is about serving young black and brown girls and, and giving them, because, you know, respectability politics is a huge, real thing. I'm a girl, I'm a black girl from the suburbs who grew up mostly in the Bronx. Like my story is so juxtaposition. Um, and I, I want to treat, um, I want to treat the brand that way as well. Like 
there's there's room for both kinds of girls, you know, in this world. Mm-hmm. The code switching is real. We know like identity politics and, and workplaces and, and the spaces we occupy is so important in, in terms of dress and how we present ourselves. You know, grooming is such a huge thing in the black community um, around assimilating to, you know, whiteness and, 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 cult, and cultural spaces or just, you know, the, the places that we work and we just want to go and make our money and come back home. And, you know, it's this huge, like, like I said, balance of like how much is too much and and how do I really honor those girls and just existing to be them full selves and not kind of curating this again this different face that we want to present as this like I don't know I want it to be really true and honest to the girls we're speaking to I want to speak to the girls that were like me who had to code switch and who had to operate on both ends you weren't black enough for your black folks but you weren't you weren't you know white and I wasn't trying to be white but I was just trying to make it through the day the day and you know be respected as a whole person and so it's really interesting how fashion plays a role in that because we know that it's true like the guy who wears you know the saggy pants versus the guy who's in a suit may be treated very differently but it shouldn't be that way right so I find myself trying to make sure that mahogany is on this path of honoring um both narratives but still having a balance of like this this love and curating this space of love through you know design and and fashion and and that's that's my story that's something i hope for other girls to relate to and that's the goal at the end of the day yeah i think that's like a huge thing that a lot of black girls especially that grew up in the suburbs can relate to that was one thing i always got told when i was younger growing up in high school they're like you talk white you sound like you want to be white and it's like love i never want to be white like trust me (laughs) so like how did you kind of battle the backlash you were maybe getting in high school i know you mentioned earlier how you changed schools and how that how did that kind of affect how you kind of started living your life after that you know what that's a really great question and i i I really haven't sat with that um about like how did i truly i think i you know, I have had my thoughts around it. Like, I think I did a lot of things that are survival mode. Um, you know, some of us definitely do like it's fight or flight and often chose the flight, but in my, internally I was fighting, right. I was fighting a lot of like, again, that, that thing of like how much is too much and, and, and how I present myself to the world. Um, do I show up fully and unapologetically myself or do I show up in a version that will get me through the day? And sometimes that was just what I, do I had to to navigate and so again it was really hard because I don't think that we should have to especially as black women we know when we say too much we shake feathers and 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 it's hard because you want to show up and you know there's a way to do something there's a way to, to 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 you know handle situations but I feel like oftentimes what black women are you know muted in a lot of ways that even within our own communities, I think we don't talk about enough. Um, so I've really centered building, you know, second families and, and groups of people that honor me who as, as I show up in this world. And, and that's been super helpful. Not to say that I don't love my family, but, you know, they're and friends and the people that are, you know, coworkers, things like that. But it's just a different kind of love when you can show up in someone, you know, honor who you are and your full self. And I think finding mentorship and finding people who truly you know are wanting to be a part of your journey and want to see you succeed is really important um i wouldn't be here today if i didn't have mentorship if i didn't have sisterhood um outside of you know my my four doors at home and so 
Yeah, I think building a foundation of people is, I think, the most valuable thing for me. And, and, and that's some advice that I would give to, to people, whether that's one person or a couple of people, really challenging yourself to show up in spaces and find people who will let you authentically be yourself. Yeah. And so, obviously, you mentioned that Mahogany is rebranding. So where do you see yourself taking Mahogany? I know you have yeah, a you know. <laughs> Uh, my friend, um, we were having a conversation and she and I were talking and I was saying, you know, the question I always get asked is what exactly is mahogany, right? And (laughs) And I had to sit with myself, well, I didn't really sit there and ask myself, you know, it's kind of been this thing that I've just kind of went with the flow and, and tried to, again, sometimes fake it till you make it, like thinking about, not necessarily faking what it is, but just not having an answer for something and not forcing that, right? So I've been, like I said, on this journey for two years now, really trying to still figure out what it should be. And I think I'm at a moment in, in time right now where I, I realize the value of, um, being of service to others, also like providing a platform for other people to hear their hear themselves in. And um, I think right now that's what we're seeing it be. I really wanted to create this haven for people um, to, you know, be a one stop to like, you know, s- supporting black owned businesses, specifically female black owned. And so we, you know, we have a couple things up our sleeves and, you know, building, you know, a foundation of like community is really important to me. Like I said, that's been my journey since the beginning is like having community is really valuable. I know it's this buzzword now, but I'm like, no, I've been, I've been here. I've been doing this. And like, I, I, my lived experiences speak to that. So I can back that up. Um, (laughs) and yeah, I think that's where we're at right now. I don't want to give away too much, but you can, you know, know, follow us on Instagram and, um, you know, visit our website to see what we're up to, but we have a couple things up our sleeves for this next quarter of the year. So I'm excited to see what's next. Most definitely. And what's the hardest part about, you know, creating a brand and running a brand and maybe something that people don't know from the outside looking in? That is the golden question. Um, Logistics, the boring stuff, like registering your business, you know, going through all the licensing, uh, doing all the administrative stuff that nobody likes to do because it's not glamorous, but it's very necessary to protect your business, especially as a small business owner. Um, that's something I'm actually doing right now. Um, believe it or not, like I said, we've technically been here for two years, but we haven't really done a lot of the legal work, which is really important. Um, now that I see, you know, us gaining a little bit more of a conversation, I realize the importance of protecting that, um, and, and doing that legally. So I think my biggest advice to people is like to know how to, you know, get a bookkeeper, have someone to help you um, keep up with your finances. Taxes is real. You don't want to get sued. You don't want to, don't want to have to owe back uh, money, all those kind of things. Um, I think that's where I would start. It's a, it's a conversation that's ongoing because again, a lot of us don't, you know, have that background or knowledge, especially me. I didn't go into it thinking I was going to be this businesswoman. I just knew I wanted to create something and I was coming from more of like a designer's perspective versus a business owner perspective. So I didn't go into it wanting to do it for the money at first day. I was going into it wanting to do it because it was this idea I created. But now I'm realizing that that idea is valuable and equity is real. And so um, I now know the importance of protecting that. And so my advice would be to make sure you protect your business from the beginning and don't wait too soon, uh, too late. Mm-hmm. So never too soon to do it. 
And how would you kind of describe your personal style? I know you've kind of been creating and curating basically your entire life. So up to now, what is your current like style? How would you describe it? You know, I, I definitely think there's an archetype of the bubbly, like, black girl. That's who I am. I'm, I'm the one who can be real bubbly, but in two seconds, be real sassy if I need to check you. Yeah. And so I kind of like use that as my, uh, those two words. Uh, and I don't, I don't want to stereotype, you know, a, a, a group of women, but I feel like genuinely I'm this very bright spirited person. And um, I, I noticed this thing. I feel like often, you know, the, the, the curvy fat black girls, we often are the, the bubbly, chippery black, black friend to people. And I don't want, I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. I just don't want people to kind of co-opt it and turn into this, you know, kind of mammy narrative yeah. in a sense. Um, because, you know, let's be real like that is, that's a, historically, that's been a stereotype and not in a positive way. Um, so I try to stir away from having that connotation, but I still, through dress I do it through bright colors and you know again making statements like I believe that I am a statement when I walk into a room so anything that to me will stand out like we said the earring things my hair has become that I've also used that as part of my dress um and I'm someone who grew up with a lot of sisters so I got to experiment with changing my hairstyle a lot making my own wigs just you know being very much unapologetic about who I wanted to be and I could kind of shape shift in that way and so I treat my dress like that um you would have thought like back in high school I dressed like my mom from the 90s mm-hmm. and then now I'm like you know rediscovering myself through my you know own lens and I find myself gravitating to color and big sleeves I love a good renaissance statement kind of outfit um so that's I think if I had to describe it it would be bright full and flashy <laughs> um but yeah that's my that's my my style and were there anything any clothing items that you kind of stayed away from when you were younger that you now are like obsessed with oh that's such a good question um not necessarily like you would never cut you would never catch me in like a low-cut pair of jeans it's just not my thing like that's a very 2000s look but i love seeing it now i'm seeing it come back a lot um, I'd love to see how other body types, you know, pull that, that's, that trend off a little bit. I'd love the early 2000s dress in general. So I guess like those really cute, like sunglasses that look like, not surfers, I don't know, like motorcycle people wear. Now you're seeing a lot of people wear it now. So I definitely have tried it out and I love it. You would have never caught me in that before. I would have been like, what the heck are you wearing? Um, so I don't know, maybe like that accessory and then in terms of a dress, like, yeah, the low cut, low cut jeans, like, I still don't think I would wear them, but I love seeing them now, people. (laughs) (laughs) And as of late, um, kind of the world has been kind of intense and crazy. So how has it been for you personally, you know, going through these last couple of weeks? You know, it's been hard because uh I was going through a life change a little bit um before COVID and you know this social justice unrest has been occurring but um I it was hard I was going through exactly what we're seeing now is like workplace racism at its finest Mm -hmm. and that was my first job out of college and it was it was something that I went into being really optimistic about but ended up leaving really early on after eight months of like 
no longer wanting to, you know, I kind of was confronted with the realities of some of the, of the world of like, not that that was new for me. I, again, I told you about my journey through like bullying and all these other things, but it was a different level. It was like a very Karen kind of situation where it was, you, um, I saw this article, I think by the medium, it says you go from the office pet to threat. And that was like my experience as a black woman. I went from being the trippery black girl to being the don't talk to me unless it's about work kind of girl. And, and it was a hard, it was hard shifting through that. And I had just quit before COVID happened a month before, but you know, it's funny cause God works in so many ways. Like I had ended up getting a brand deal um, at the time and we had been working through that contract for months. And then, you know, that came through and then COVID happened and it was canceled. So it was a lot, it was a lot of, and then, and you know, I was going through transitioning my business at the time. I was starting this apprenticeship program and I had three, you know, young women on board and it, that was going to be another like role that I had to you know play and it was a lot it was overwhelming everything kind of was hitting me at once and the key word that we kept hearing is pivot <laughs> like wh whether it's from my clients pivot or whether it was me you know as the the project manager like to these young girls like we have to pivot from what we were originally you know going to do and and so it was a, it was a battle it was definitely uphill and um I was not okay at times. I want to be very transparent. I think I found small things to do to keep me grounded. Um, and that was like, again, back to people. I'm a very people oriented person. And if that's not you, um, you know, not everybody's as extroverted or wants to talk to others. Um, I would say find things that you, you enjoy doing um, that keep you, that bring peace to you. And so for me, that was like creating video journals. I loved like talking to the camera and talking to myself and, you know, documenting my feelings. And sometimes you just need to talk about it. So if it's not with a person, maybe opening up your, your computer if you have access to one or, you know, journaling, whatever you can do. But I think not holding it in and holding in those emotions was really helpful for me crying it out people call me a cry baby i cried a lot i just needed to because i was suppressing a lot of emotions trying to again be the superwoman black girl who can do it all and she can get through this pandemic and she can get through this and it's like it's okay if you're not okay so i had to do a lot of self-talk um and that's still a journey for me you know just trying to find my voice in everything a voice of reason for things and sometimes there's just not a reason and you shouldn't go seeking it so just kind of live through the, the feelings and, and you know wake up a new day and try again yeah I think that's the biggest thing people are realizing I think when this first started off everyone felt like they had to be very at the front very loud very vocal and then not worrying about themselves in the back end of yeah. it and it's like, if you're not taking care of yourself, how can you continue to fight? And yeah, that's exactly. definitely crazy right now. Exactly. It definitely made you confront, like, at least for me specifically, it made me confront the things that I didn't want to. And I think oftentimes we use work as, a, as an avenue to, like, not deal with the personal. And I think this really made it, like, in your face, even if you didn't like it. <laughs> it was like, this is what it is. Now, are you ready to, you know, talk about are you ready to have this conversation whether that was with yourself or with you know an unhealthy person in your life or vice versa um so yeah it's definitely I don't have the answers but I know for me community and family was like a huge a huge factor in my sanity yeah. but also realizing I had to lean on myself too to like 
be that person to show up for myself was really, and it's something I'm still learning right now. So learning to show up for myself has been the biggest takeaway. Mm -hmm. And what would be some advice you would give to maybe someone in a similar situation as you right now where they're dealing with things at work so they had to, you know, let it go because it's not healthy for you and maybe just going through this process right now as a black woman? Um, hmm. That's such a loaded question, you know, because there's so many things that come to my mind. Um, like I said, sometimes validation, it can be this really, uh, again, I'm extroverted, I'm a Libra, I'm a black woman, and I'm an entrepreneur. Shit, like, excuse my language, but like, <laughs> but like, really, it's really hard because that we, you know, we often say, you know, I don't see validation from others, but in reality, a lot of the things we do is centered around others. Like, I'm such an em empathetic person that for me, what makes others happy is what, how I fulfill my joy, and, and it's been hard like I had to realize you know I woke up one day and I just it was like enough is enough um I'm someone who also you know suffers from depression and I seeking you know different forms of therapy was really important for me and that was through my spirituality that was through having access to health insurance and being able to get a therapist I know that that was a really hard step for me and, and it was something that I finally had took so um you know, I don't want to push out the go to therapy narrative too much because I feel like I always get frustrated with that. Like, what if people don't want therapy? What are the other avenues that they can seek if it's not talking to another person? Again, that's not everybody's way. Um, so for me, I don't know. I feel like you have to try things. I, I The biggest thing that's been for me, I've been talking to this woman who, um, she's like a, a doula, not a doula, excuse me, a tarot worker. And so she does a lot of heal, healing work. And the biggest thing that for, for me, I took away was revisiting my childhood, mm -hmm. uh, revis revisiting those memories of the good and the bad, and then trying to find bits and pieces that I can pull from my childhood now and kind of like relive through my own in my own terms you know those negative experiences how can I relive those and make it my own and kind of like change the narrative because a lot of our childhood you know is traumatic for some of us and so um I don't want that to be my story forever I kind of want to shift that narrative so I think right now I've been like you know revisiting things and memories and trying to kind of recreate them while we're in quarantine and to the best of my ability so i think revisit your childhood see what you miss about being a kid so many of us had had to become adults from very early on and um we didn't have the opportunity to just exist and to make mistakes and try again and so for me like take that time to use this time to do that you know mm -hmm and however you choose to do that so yeah and what have you kind of is there a specific maybe moment from your childhood that you have already kind of revisited and kind of changed the narrative that you feel like is important yeah you know we're on the topic of you know being black fat and in fashion and so um i wish i didn't pay so much attention to boys man i was the goody two-shoe girl i was the girl guys wanted later on in life i yes. you know I, I thought i had it all together and i didn't and i didn't but i think um i wish i didn't see so much attention from boys um i know it's like such a cliche but it's very true like i centered a lot of my myself around 
how I was a pleasure to young men. And I didn't, again, back to centering myself, like I didn't understand what that meant for me. And so when I think about fashion, I, I definitely shape-shifted and tried to fit into, like, the way people dressed in their groups or, you know, I wore less clothes to be more appealing and things like that, even though it wasn't something I was actually comfortable with. I was trying to fit in to being, like, my sister. And, you know, being a twin only made it harder because the comparison of, like, which sister's the cool sister who dresses better, you know, it was kind of, like, that, that was my life. So if I could look back, I would definitely not give a damn. I would really just be myself um, because I am that bitch now and I know that. Period. Um, <laughs> period. Like, I know that and it's so funny because those same people will, you know, try to reach out today, don't know how because I'm very petty. I don't keep numbers. I don't stay connected. <laughs> so I think uh, it's always interesting. Like, Lizzo, for me, I wish I said I wish I had her when I was younger. Yeah. Um, she such, she's such a pivotal person in my life. Like, she is that bitch. Like, she made me believe that, finally. And I, that, again, it goes back to why representation is so important. Because, you know, people can say what they want about her, but she, like, she's invested a lot of time and effort into building her career. And, and we shouldn't circle her body to being, like, what determines our success. And so, again, back to how I felt about being a young person and my worth was centered around how I looked and dressed for others. And so forget that do you be you because later on in life you can look back and say I did that and I did it for me and so that's been my biggest lesson right now growing up I think that is a big notion for a lot of young black women especially plus size black women because I think we've all we've all been there and it's so related because I I was the same way I wish like looking back even in middle school high school like wanting so bad to be wanted when it was like I didn't need that and even like the idea because I get that all the time they're like oh well the right guy's coming along because they're not ready for you you're you're too established I'm like I literally don't know what I'm doing but (laughs) why we be the mediocre girls who are just figuring it out and still be desirable because that I don't understand again we are why can't we also be that bitch and be popping and do all the things we're doing and be even if even if you're messy let them be messy and figure out life but that doesn't determine our worth and, and, and how people perceive us we have to stop putting so much attachment and value to our successes or how we look to determine our worth because that has been the biggest thing I've made a mistake in in navigating this ecosystem of life. And let me tell you, if I could do it again, I would do it differently. And that is okay to even say that I would do it differently, honor that, and now know that you have the power to make that change. And now what are you going to do to do it? You mm-hmm. know, so that's been for me, like no one can stand in your way now. As long as you know that now, how are you going to move forward? Yeah. I definitely love that. And I've kind of been doing a lot of self-reflecting with that statement as well, because I think there's a lot of things I wish I wouldn't have told my younger self. And even now I'm like, wow, I wish that I wouldn't have put that mindset into me as a younger child. So what would you, maybe not even just yourself, but what would you tell a girl maybe younger in middle school and high school that is going through the problems that we've kind of related to and what would you tell her to like stop cut out cut out doing right now like at this exact moment you know i think i wouldn't tell her anything in pacific i'm mean, not pacific specific um <laughs> i would ask her <laughs> what is it that you like 
what do you want right now? And if she doesn't have the answers to those questions, um, centering her identity or sexuality, whatever it is, like, because, you know, those gender and dress also intertwine with that, um, you know, how people, how people prefer to be, you know, present to the world, we often leave that out of the conversation of fashion. And for me, I would just ask her what she wants. She, her, they, like, you know, what is it that you want? What is it that you like? Because I think the biggest thing for me was people weren't actually willing to listen or care to listen. And that was frustrating, you know, not that I needed people to listen to validate my feelings, but just having, again, that space to take up to just exist and people be willing to participate in the conversation would have made such a difference had I had peers or even adults that were there in the room that were willing to listen to me. Um, I think that's something we are hearing echo throughout the younger generation is that people didn't want to listen to us. And that hasn't changed much, you know? So I kind of, as a young person, you know, a little bit older now and, and part being a part of Gen Z, I realized the value of an open floor, the value of having people um, in rooms to, to be able to, to just pour out how they feel again, back to like how I find therapy and, and, and that I think speaks volumes. So I would tell her to um, ask herself those questions and if she's willing to hear, let someone else hear them, then like have that dialogue. I think it can make the biggest difference of like how you take your next steps. Yeah. And so lastly, where can everyone find you on social media and also Mahogany? Well, so you can find your girl at <laughs> on Instagram. Um, I'm, it's, it's Tatiana Does, so that's I-T-S-T-A-T-I-A-A-D-U-H, so it's Tatiana Does. It's, it was a pun I made a long time ago, and I'm keeping it there. <laughs> um, and for Mahogany, you can find us at officialmahogany.com and on Instagram, we're mahogany double underscore official. But yeah, that's where you can find us. Thanks for tuning in to Black Bat Fashion. You know you can always reach out via social media or email with your questions or ideas. Make sure you give us a follow at Black Fat Fashion as well as my personal page at Ayana Ish. With love from your BFF.